debt. You might have a bit of it, or a lot of it. Maybe you're lucky enough to have none of it at all. But most of us have probably owed someone some money at some point in time. Credit cards, buy now, pay later, higher purchases, mortgages. But what happens when you're debts with the government and you can't afford to pay it back? Government is putting more beneficiaries further into debt. One News has obtained figures showing thousands more people are borrowing money from the Ministry of Social Development to get by, and it's now owed close to $2 billion. Women and Māori beneficiaries are having to pay back their debt to the Ministry of Social Development at a higher rate than their male and Pākehā counterparts. The government's being told it should be more willing to write off debts run up by beneficiaries to pay for basic living costs such as school uniforms, power bills and car repairs. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail, more than half a million people on low incomes collectively owe the government three and a half billion dollars. Why do they owe so much? What's it for? And is there any way out of it? My name's Natalie Vincent and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Natangata Microfinance. In her job, Natalie Vincent sees firsthand the impact of out-of-control debt on individuals and their families. We're a community finance organisation um, set up to uh, help alleviate uh, and reduce the burden of high interest debt that many low-income New Zealanders are struggling with. And we've been around for about 13 years. Our uh, loans are backed by Kiwi Bank, so they provide the capital to us. And uh, currently we have about 400 active loans on our loan book. Most of us will end up in debt at some point. You could be popping the odd thing on the credit card as payday inches closer. There's your hefty mortgage to get on the home ownership ladder. Or you might see a good higher purchase deal for a new fridge when your old one breaks down. And sure, debt repayments are a pain, but we manage it within our budgets. Before we get on to debt to government more specifically, I asked Natalie about what happens when debt becomes unmanageable. When does your everyday debt become problem debt? We talk about this a lot as a team, and and I guess it's quite a subjective thing. Like, what is a problem to me may not be a problem to you, and vice versa. We determine problem debt to be debt that's become unmanageable. It's when it's sort of spiralling out of control. It's causing you a lot of stress and anxiety. You're worrying about how you're going to pay your debt as well as meeting other commitments. And worst case scenario, you're borrowing further to pay for existing debt. So those are sort of our um, points that we would uh, think, okay, that debt's become a problem. So it's that real debt spiral, not being able to keep up with repayments, having to go into more debt, I guess, to pay for what many of us would deem essentials. Yeah, I guess that's that's right. Essentially, it's unaffordable debt, right? And for for a lot of people, that debt when they first took it out may not have been unaffordable. You know, not all lendings are responsible, but circumstances change, incomes change, family situations change, and suddenly debt can actually become unaffordable and unmanageable. So most of our clients have high cost debt, and given that they are low income, that debt was probably quite unaffordable right from the outset. And what does this mean for low-income people, low-income families? If they can't keep up with their debt repayments, how does that impact their everyday lives? 
yeah, well, it puts a lot of pressure on them and, and any pressure and stress um, has adverse effects on their well-being. I mean, worst case scenario, they're ending up in severe hardship or, or living in poverty. They're just not able to afford to live. And the, the impacts of that that we see is they become excluded from life, from family, they're not participating in society. And then you have a whole lot of well-being, you know, poor well-being outcomes. So, debt to government. According to a Cabinet paper released earlier this year, more than half a million low-income individuals owe Inland Revenue, the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Social Development a grand total of $3.5 billion. The Cabinet paper says that debt is exacerbating hardship for some individuals and their whanau. As part of the government's aim to reduce child poverty, there's been work going on for a couple of years now looking at how to reduce the debt burden on struggling families. How do you end up in debt to the government? Yeah, well, I guess, first of all, um, you know, what what does it mean to owe money to the government? <laughs> Not everyone uh, owes money to the government. And, and, you know, we get asked this quite a bit with different people we talk to. Well, why do people owe money to the government? And, um, you know, there's a variety of ways you can own, owe money. I mean, many people will know that they owe money to the Inland Revenue Department for their taxes. But there's you could owe money to um, the Ministry of Social Development for, for benefits or the Ministry of Justice for fines. There's a variety of reasons that you may get into a situation of owing money. It could be through benefit advances or maybe overpayments that are then being clawed back, um, your taxes or a a fine that you may have incurred, or um, even legal aid. You know, you may have to repay that. Let's take a closer look at those debt-to-government figures. Many of the half a million low-income people with government debt rely on a benefit. And for many, their debt stretches across agencies. Nearly 50,000 people owe money to MSD, Inland Revenue and the Ministry of Justice, with an average debt of nearly $18,000. A recent analysis of people who had debt to both MSD and Inland Revenue found more than half had no ability to make repayments to either agency. And when it comes to MSD debt, that's more likely to be held by women and people under the age of 35. And this really aligns with what we know about our clients because the majority um, of our clients are female and in the age group 30 to 40 and have children. So when we look at all of that, we go, okay, well, this tells us that this whole debt to government and debt recovery is penalising women and women that are raising children. Can you give me an example of one of your clients, uh, perhaps with the debts that they've got? How much would they generally owe to the government versus perhaps private lenders? Yeah, uh, so the majority of our clients um, do owe government debt. On average, when they come to us, they have about $15,000 of debt. We recently did a bit of a snapshot look at the clients, our clients in 2021, who had completed their loan with us. And when they came to us looking for assistance, they had an average income of 36,000 with an average total debt of 13,000. That had a debt to income ratio uh, of 34.5% and 8.5% of that was government debt. So pretty, pretty high. Um, their debt to re- debt repayment to income was 24%. So that means that 24% of their income was locked into debt repayments, including payments going back to the government. 
And the reason we suspect that the repayment amount against their income is smaller than their total debt against their income is because some of the client's debts won't even be being paid. They're possibly sitting at a collection agency or they're on hold somewhere accruing more interest and more fees. So, you know, it's pretty scary stuff that we see when the clients come to us. Some people will probably say, oh, that's actually not a really high um, debt to income ratio, particularly I guess, if they are um, in business. But in the case of our clients who are on a really low income with the rising cost of living, having 24% of your income allocated to pay debts is really a significant amount. And even worse if um, some of those debts are on hold and not even being addressed. And the most, most people that we see have high interest debts. So those debts are accruing probably 49% interest and then added fees on top of that. And so you can get the picture of why this quickly becomes problem debt. The debt to government, though, it's obviously quite different to debt to those high-interest lenders. Presumably, it's paid back at a much lower rate. Can you talk me through a bit about how people are repaying their debt to government? Yeah, so each of the um, ministries or departments have quite different rules, and I think that this kind of makes for a really unfair system. So, for example, MSD don't charge any penalties or fees on on the debt, their debt, but they also don't have very much of an ability to write off any of that debt. Uh, I think um, they they take they can take up to a maximum of forty dollars per week um, in debt recovery from a client's benefit, which is a lot of money when you're living um, relying solely on a benefit uh, or a low income, and then perhaps um, some benefit elements to your income. You know, so it's it's a, a lot of money. The Inland Revenue Department and Ministry of Justice they do actually charge interest on debt, but what they do have is the ability to actually write off debt or to make arrangements with you or, you know, different things to to assist. So it's quite different across the different departments. Now, just to recap here, different government agencies have different rules about whether they can write off debt for someone in hardship. Inland Revenue can in certain circumstances, as can the Ministry of Justice with legal aid debt. But MSD, that's a no. Do you think that's fair? No. No, I don't. Why? Uh, well, I think that all of the debt to the government should be treated the same and the way that debt is recovered should be the same. And I do believe that the government is actually looking on that. There is a current work programme where they're looking at the ways to reduce the impact of government debt uh, and also looking at you know, how to prevent this debt in the first place, um, how to recover it in a fairer, I guess, more equitable way. Um, that avoids exacerbating hardship and poverty. Paying for school uniforms, the dentist, electricity and car repairs, all thanks to an interest-free loan from the taxpayer. My debt right now is uh, close to $10,000. It's $9,636. More than half a million New Zealanders are in debt to MSD at an average of $3,400 each. For Māori, that average is almost $1,000 more. I mean, it's worth thinking about why people are borrowing for essential needs in the first place. If the income levels could rise, then they wouldn't need to borrow in the first place. It sets themselves into a cycle of debt. If there was an amnesty, they didn't have to pay that, uh, it would be of immense benefit. 
even $5 a week can make an enormous difference to the families that we're seeing. In terms of that debt to MSD, often often this is for loans for essential everyday items. Presumably it's still safer to take out a loan from MSD for those everyday items than going to a private lender. Yes, and, and, and actually when we um, when we when clients come to us, it's actually one of the first things that we will ask them, you know, have you actually contacted work and income to see if you are actually eligible to to get that support from MSD. So we would encourage that in the first place. And in fact, we, we sort of insist on it. But, you know, many, many people that they've, they've come to us and they've exhausted all options with work and income. You know, they've hit, hit the ceiling of what they're entitled to. So they're not actually entitled to any more lending. And when they're in that situation, if they're not coming to us, you know, many times they've actually been to a high-cost lender for that loan and, you know, it's created a huge problem for them. Do you think it's problematic that people are getting into debt to agencies like MSD that are meant to be helping people who are in a tough spot, that this debt revolves around everyday items? Yes, absolutely. I mean, why, you know... Why are people getting into debt? Uh, you know, it's 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 a question that you know when we're talking publicly about the work that we do and why a service like ours is required. You know, the question will come up a lot. Why are people getting into debt in the first place? You know, why are they borrowing money? Well, we're living in um, very difficult economic times. The, the people that we see, it's not due to overconsumption that's creating the debt. You know, they're not living beyond their means or spending unwisely. You know, I mean, of course, there will always be cases of people who are doing that. But what we're seeing is is a huge problem with the cost of living and high levels of debt. I mean, it is actually a crisis. People cannot actually afford to live on what they receive. So families are borrowing to keep on top of basic living costs. And that's something that, you know, as we're seeing more and more, the incomes that people are receiving and the benefits are just not enough. And it's it's not sustainable because as we've just been, what we've been talking about, it eventually becomes problem debt. You can't borrow your way through living. And I think it's also, you know, not appropriate to suggest that people just need to budget better. You know, you hear that a lot. You know, oh, live within your means, save more, spend less, put money aside for a rainy day. If you're not earning enough to even cover what it costs to live, it's impossible to save for a rainy day or weather an unexpected financial event like broken washing machine or dental care. Makes no difference how good your budgeting skills are if you haven't got enough money to actually go and replace that item or get that healthcare done, um, what are you going to do? You're going to have to borrow. So, you know, people will go to MSD and look for that support. And if they've exhausted all um, that they're entitled to, then they'll go to somewhere else to look for that money. That's just survival, right? For those women who are on the benefit and in debt, there might be some people out there who are thinking, why don't they just go and get a job? Surely they will get more money if they're in work than they would get on the benefit. But it's not quite that simple, is it? It's Yeah, it's nowhere near that simple. Um, you, you know, uh, the whole, uh, oh, you know, go increase your income. 
if you're outgoings are too high, you know, one of the things, and you don't think you can reduce them, you know, one of the things is increase your income. Great advice, you know, that, that's definitely something to look at if you have the capacity and the capability to do that. And many people, and for many families raising small children, it's completely impractical. A lot of low-income workers that are clients of ours, so they may not even be receiving a benefit, but they're on a low income, they're already doing numerous part-time jobs to try and make ends meet for their families. And those who are receiving benefits, a lot of them are doing casual work or taking on part-time roles to try and increase their income. But doing more of that is just not always practical when you have small children and what we get told a lot by our clients is that you know they've tried to do that they've tried a number of different things to to get their budget into surplus and to try and put some savings aside but you know there's actually costs involved with going to work or taking on two more jobs there's the cost to your well-being there's the cost to the time spent with your family and then there's actual financial cost transport childcare the budget just won't stretch for that. So there, there has to be, you know, this real balancing act of looking at, okay, well, I could take on another minimum wage job, but I'm going to, it's going to cost me more to get there. I'm going to have to get childcare. And it becomes, it becomes pointless. So it's not, that is not always a solution. How concerned are you with the increasing cost of living and how that might exacerbate this problem? Well, that's what we're seeing right now. That's exactly what we're seeing right now. The drive to school or lunch when the kids get there, filling the car or feeding the whanau, bills or ballooning debt. Families across Aotearoa are struggling to make ends meet as the cost of living rises and are being made to make the tough calls over the basics. It's just showing that people are going backwards on a, you know, a staggering amount uh, every week. They cannot live on what they're receiving, whether that be a low-income employment or whether that be um, a benefit. The, the levels are not just not high enough. I mean, there recently were some um, increases, and yes, the minimum wage went up, but it's not the living wage. It's not enough for people to live on. Uh, and, and again, just as we were saying, that's what happens. People are having to borrow to keep up with just basic living costs. The government says in that cabinet paper we talked about earlier that reducing debt for people in hardship will help some of New Zealand's most vulnerable children and will help reduce child poverty. But as Natalie Vinson points out, there are a raft of other changes she and others in frontline social services have been calling for for years. We need to increase the accommodation supplement to catch up with rent increases, which are they around 7% now? Um, you know, the, the, a lot of the rules around benefits with relationships are, are, are way outdated and, and frankly punitive. Um, and we need to wipe this huge amount of money out to MSD and get that money back into people's pockets so that they can afford to live. It's really challenging. It's really challenging times for people. And I think we have a responsibility as a country to make sure that people can actually afford to live. Do you think that's a viable option, wiping that MSD debt? Do you think that's something the government could and should do? Absolutely. I think it's, compl- I think it's completely viable and I think it's something that they do need to do. I mean, you know, people will challenge that and say, oh, New Zealand can't afford to do that, to just wipe off all that debt. But I don't think we can afford not to. We've got to invest in people and enable them to afford to live, right? If you've got a family with children going backwards at $300 a week, 
I mean, what is the end result of that going to be? It is going to be an absolute disaster. The, you know, the, the flow and effect of providing livable incomes for people is improved health and well-being across all facets of life. And, and that's what we, we should be focused on. We should be getting rid of this debt. We should be increasing incomes to a livable standard so that people are actually enabled to live their lives fully and provide for their children. The government's got this work underway on dealing with debt to government as part of its child poverty reduction broader work stream. How much of a difference do you think dealing with debt to government would make to those families with children who are living in poverty? Do you think it it would make a significant difference? Oh, absolutely. I think given everything we've discussed, um, you know, it's blindingly obvious that debt and low incomes are a causative factor in poverty, in child poverty. So addressing it immediately, um, I believe, would have a positive impact on the reduction, or you know, be as bold as to say the elimination of child poverty, getting rid of government debt, increasing benefits and wages, and and I think in, in addition to that, putting further investment into the you know financial building financial capability sector, budget services, financial mentoring, community finance like organisations like ourselves, um, will make a huge difference. I mean, we're never going to get rid of the need to borrow money. From time to time, people will always need to borrow money and they should be able to do that in a fair, kind, safe and equitable way. And I think community finance and budget services and the support that the government have put into that is a key factor um, and, and should be a focus going forward so that people do have access to affordable lending that's safe and fair. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by Blair Stagpole and produced by Emile Donovan. Thanks to Natalie Vincent. Matewa.